Okay, high time now for our tune of the week. Come on, let's go. This is the Media Industry Guru Show, the show that exposes you to entertainment, music, film, TV, and tech. We're online 24-7, 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. And welcome back to the Media Industry Guru Podcast. Thanks for listening to this awesome and amazing episode. Here today, we are going to learn more about the record label side of the industry as well as PR. What is PR and what is digital marketing today in terms of fan engagement here with me is Jamie Roberts. She is the founder of For The Win Media. She is a publicist and marketing professional and has a lot of incredible clients in the alternative space and the heavy metal space. And she's been featured on Thrive Global for an interview, Hypebot, as well as GHS Strings. So she has an eclectic background. She's going to give her great wisdom to her interns that she has on how to break in this business, as well as her eclectic background working at a ton of record labels, including Roadrunner and many, many more. She's had many years working in this music industry, starting off in the 80s when she went to college as a college radio student. So go college radio. And now we are going to learn more about her experience, the wisdom she gives, and what exciting new adventures she has for her entrepreneurial spirit. So let's welcome Jamie Roberts to the podcast. Hey, Jamie, welcome to the Media Industry Guru podcast. I'm really excited to conduct an interview with you and learn about your PR background, your brand and digital marketing background, as well as you're the founder of For The Win Media. So super excited to learn all things about PR from you. Oh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So tell us a little bit more about what got you passionate about the entertainment industry and how did you get your feet wet and dive into the music industry more specifically? I had seen a movie called The Idol Maker. It came out in the 80s. And yes, I'm old. Um, It came out in the 80s and it had like elements of what publicity was like. And it just showed that there are people behind the entertainers that help them get where they get. And I decided then and there that I wanted to be somewhere in the background helping creative people, do, enabling them to do what they do. So I kind of decided that I was going to be in the music business around the age of 13. Wow. And did you know at the time that you wanted to go into kind of the digital marketing and PR side of things. I mean, digital marketing has been evolutionizing and it keeps on growing. I mean, also, well, it didn't exist in the 80s. Um, (laughs) But I I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do behind the scenes, but I wanted to research that. And when I was in college, I went to the college that had, like, the year before, the second best college radio station in the country. Mm which was uh, WCBB from SUNY Albany. And uh, I decided I wanted to go there. I wanted to um, 
be a DJ at the radio station. <laughs> and I also wanted to be promotions director, which uh, I met the promotions director around the first day of school. And by the end of first semester, I was promotions director. Wow. And so tell us about your experience there. And did this kind of lead to your passion in PR? Um, well, there I, I did like promotions and marketing stuff for the station. And that gave me a taste for, you know, working in the business. Everybody from my school wound up in the music business, everybody from the station, even like the, the music directors from the years before me, like my freshman and sophomore year and junior year. So, you know, a lot of people were using that as a route to go into the music business. Even somebody from the school newspaper went into music journalism. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, everybody was doing stuff. And then I think I was a junior and I was home for a couple of days and I picked up the Village Voice and in the Village Voice mm. they had job ads. So I would always look back there because it was generally entertainment jobs. I found an ad that said, do you like hip hop? Do you like alternative music? If so, fax your resume here. Didn't say anything else. And I said, well, what the hell? I might as well. And I did. <laughs> and the person that called me back was a woman named Susan Mainzer. And she worked at a company called Set to Run PR. Hmm. Um, they handled Public Enemy, The Cure. Um, mm. Wow. Tribe Called Quest, mm -hmm. they a lot of rappers and, and a few alternative rock, rock people. And from then on, anytime I was home from school, I was working there. <laughs> and, and that's what got me into PR, that one ad, because I wow. didn't really know much about it before. Mm -hmm. But when I do something, I go in, you know, um, and I do it with as much passion as I can. And I was, you know, doing stupid intern duties, but at the end of the day, I was going to read something that I was photocopying. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So you did this experience in PR while you were in college. You were the promotions director for your college radio station and on-air DJ. Any other facets of the music industry you dabbled in or explored? Uh, I also wrote for a regional music magazine called Buzz Magazine out of oh. Albany. So I was interviewing people. Um, in fact, I, I spoke to a friend today and I met him when I was in college and he set me up to interview a band that was one of his clients. Wow. And little did I know I'd be doing what he does and be friends with him in the future. <laughs> yeah, it's all interconnected. It's a small world, especially of people that are willing to put in the effort. Yeah. And so what made you, after college, what was kind of your one or two of your first entry-level roles? What were your day-to-day -day responsibilities? And then tell us about that shift from kind of those entry-level roles to creating your firm for the win media. There was a lot that went on before for the win. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think... When I graduated college, I graduated in 1992. And back then, there was like, you know, a serious lack of jobs, not even just in the industry, just on the whole. 
And everybody was saying, take the first job you get. (laughs) And I went on interviews with my, you know, record reviews in my portfolio. Uh, And, you know, my resume of just my college activities. Mm-hmm. And the first job I got was for Carolyn Kennedy's husband, Edwin Schlossberg. Wow. He had like a design firm and I did marketing like slideshows and stuff for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was an assistant and it was not a very uh, action-packed job. So <laughs> <laughs> I was able to teach myself a lot about computers. Okay. Because computers were just, like, coming up back then. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't use them in college. <laughs> you had to go to a computer lab to use them in college. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I was in school. I mean, the things that I would be able to do today, oh my god. Uh, would be very different. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I'm kind of glad I came up without the technology because it just, it forced me to work harder. Mm. So when I when I was at um, ESI Edwin Schlossberg's company, um, and they actually hired me because of my record reviews. They thought it was cool, and I was looking to get into into music somehow. And I got a job at Musician Magazine in the circulation department. Okay, which really was not the department I wanted to be in, but you know, it was what I got, so I made the best of it. Mm. And I used to go and sit with the guys that worked at the magazine and talk to them and hang out, and I I became a big fan of journalism at the time. Okay. And there was one writer, uh, this guy, J.D. Constantine, and Mm. he still writes, you know, for a bunch of people, but he uh, was a freelancer for the magazine, and I had to call him once. And I was so fangirling out about him because <laughs> I read all his stuff. Mm. And and so, you know, from musician, I made a couple of career leaps. Um, it, it was a long time. And, you know, back then you used to hop jobs like whenever you got a new opportunity. So I had a whole bunch of jobs in the beginning. Wow. But the most significant one um, was in, let's see, what year was it? It was 1995. Um, The woman who owned Set to Run had dissolved the company and gone to work at record labels. Mm. And I, she had gotten a new job at Tom's Zootout's record label. Tom was the guy that discovered Enya, Guns N' Roses, Motley wow. Crue. I am yeah. And he had a label that was co-owned by Virgin and, mm. um, oh God, I don't even remember the other company that was co-owning it. But um, they hired her to be head of A&R and publicity. Okay. And I congratulated her and asked for career advice. And she said, meet me for breakfast. And I (laughs) met her for breakfast. And she said, you want to know my career advice? I hate my assistant. I'm firing him. Come work for me. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I said, wow, really? Like, I didn't even think she'd remember me from when I interned. And that so was a I was good like, lunch. <laughs> yeah, I was like, cool, I'm, I'm in, you know? And I went back to her office and she put me in with HR and then I got a job the next day. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I did a lot of work um, there for a couple of years. It only lasted two years, the company. Uh, and then they kind of dissolved it. Um, but after that, I went to work at Roadrunner. And mm. this was my first non-assistant job. Okay. And it was a little bit of fake it till you make it. Because I walked in the door and they were like, can you get stuff in Rolling Stone? And I said, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if I could. I, I thought I could. You should and you I, shoot it for the stars. <laughs> well, you know, I, there's no reason if you have the goods, there's no reason you can't get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a like you're not a magician, you're a publicist. Yeah. You know, if you have the right band, the right publications are going to want it. If it's not the right band, I don't care who you are, you're not going to be able to get it. Mhm. Mm so, <laughs> um and, and they said, do you like metal? And it was Roadrunner Records, like the biggest metal label at the time. And I was like, uh, not really. <laughs> and, and they were like, good. Because they weren't looking for a fan. They were looking for a publicist. Mm, gotcha. Okay. You know, and there's a significant difference between. And and that persists today. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that I work music that... I don't obsessively listen to mm. it's it, it gives you enough distance to be able to be realistic and and gives you good perspective okay when it's not something you like mm. i mean i know who likes it <laughs> i can reach who likes it yeah what does it matter what i like mm -hmm. so you know that attitude got me far actually at the company i was there for seven years. Wow. And I, we, I went through a lot of really significant movement with the label. I got to work some amazing artists. Uh, one being Junkie XL. He actually does like uh, scores for DC movies. Okay. Like superhero movies and stuff like that. And he was a brilliant, brilliant artist. He's also a DJ. He did a remix of an Elvis song mm. that they used for the World Cup a number of years ago. And um, I also got to work Nickelback from day one. Wow. And I, yeah, and I got, yeah, and I got to work Slipknot from day one. Mm. Another one, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it wound up being gratifying, and I think that little bit of extra confidence walking in the door got me the job, and then I managed to become that person. Yeah. I had a lot of experience in the PR space and just being at a couple of record labels. Do you recommend that for uh, people that want to break in the business? I know some people say go the agency route because you it's a big network or go the record label route because there's so many different facets you could try out. What do you recommend for um, college students, recent grads or people in their 20s trying to navigate this business? I recommend get a job, any job. 
and hustle. Work hard. Mm -hmm. Don't be lazy. Don't feel entitled. You know, just work your ass off. Make yourself stand out. Because an agency job and a label job are two very different things. Yes. <laughs> but the label jobs are fewer and further between. And I don't know, it's different. I feel like you work hard at the labels, but you work much harder at an agency. Because yeah. then you have to hustle business and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it just depends on what kind of person you are. <laughs> if you like freedom and some autonomy and, I mean, but at the same time, you got to hustle your own business, but you get to work stuff you like, mm -hmm. then be, then go to an agency. Mm -hmm. I mean, you will work some stuff you don't like. And that's a, a very important exercise in and of itself. Yeah. But um, going to a label, you get kind of spoiled. <laughs> um, because I worked at indie labels, major labels, indie firms, and done my own thing. Yeah. And I like working at the major label. That was amazing. <laughs> um, I didn't get to do it for very long. I did it for like a couple of years, but Gotcha. It was, you know, and I liked Roadrunner too. Roadrunner was amazing in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's a very different skill set. When you're at a label, you have to learn how to be political. You have to learn how to accept help from people. Mm -hmm. You need to learn how to blend what you do with other departments. So you have to learn a little mm -hmm. bit about what they do. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if you're just pure PR, pitching, 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 and you're a machine, go to an agency because that's not what the label jobs are like. So you would say at, when you were working at the labels, you worked at them for many, many years, that you learned about the different sides of the business because they're all interconnected. It's the 360. You probably learned about that, as you mentioned, the A&R side and then the sales and revenue side. Um, now yeah. they have a streaming side. They have a merch side, e-commerce now. I mean, of the, let's see, uh, 25 years that I've been in the music business, like full time, mm -hmm. I want to say about 15 of those were at labels. Wow. Okay. Every label has its own way of doing things. Mm -hmm. um, and you do have to, I mean, I recommend you learn about every job. Mm -hmm. because a lot of times you don't know what people do and number one you might like their job better and number two um you may interact with them a lot and it just helps if you know the terminology and everything mm -hmm. i mean it takes different personality types to do every different kind of job anyway mm -hmm. like i could never be a radio promotion person i, I just can't schmooze like <laughs> that <laughs> like, and and every publicist also has their own style. Yeah. And you know, I I developed mine over time, but <clears throat> this was a much more comfortable kind of job for me because I can be who I am. I can be cranky. I can you know, <laughs> I can I can talk to people that I like and. I can email yeah. people that I don't, <laughs> you know? Yeah, now that you have your own business, uh, you can kind of be more entrepreneurial. You're kind of a CEO and manage others, I'm assuming. You manage well, clients, no, people. 
I'm kind of the CEO of nothing. See, this is the fallacy about starting your own firm. Okay. <laughs> um, I started my own firm, like, I, I started it years ago. And what I wound up doing at first was I had a whole bunch of employees and I was paying salaries and I was, you know, giving like percentages, commissions and all of that. And let me tell you, that is not for me. <laughs> I am not that kind of business person. I do not like the paperwork. I am no good at it. Mm, okay. In fact, if I didn't have to negotiate the contracts, I'd be even happier. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like the way I was doing it before, yeah, I was managing people and stuff like that. But I'm a control freak, so I prefer working by myself. Okay because then I can vouch for the quality of the work. Yeah. Because I've gotten burned a bunch of times, you know, with mm. people who seemed like they were going to work well, but didn't work hard. And then I had to pick Ooh. up the slack. Yeah. That definitely burns a bridge too. <laughs> you know, I just don't want to go through it. Like I yeah. like people. I like to <laughs> like people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, if I work with somebody, they're going to wind up hating me. Yeah. And I'm probably going to wind up hating them. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, my girls that worked for me before, um, at one point I had another company uh, and it had a parent company. So they did all the finance. And then I was a good boss because all I had to do was worry about the mm. PR. Okay. Um, yeah. But, you know, when it comes down to me having to worry about everything, I don't, I don't want employees. I just want to do stuff myself. So what led you to create this business for the Wind Media? Tell us a little bit about it, kind of an elevator pitch. And you also, just to give some background, some of your clients include Alan Robert, Brandon Boyd, Tommy Lee, right? Those are a few yeah. of them, noble poets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I fell into working in hard rock at Roadrunner in 1997. And I made a lot of great relationships there. It, it was, Roadrunner was very unique. It was like a family. And I remain very close with the majority of the mm. people that I worked with back then. Mm -hmm. And even the managers of the bands, we all just, <laughs> I don't know, we all just had this really special connection. And a lot of the business I have today is from those managers. I feel like if you go around in any business, this works this way. Mm -hmm. If you go around and you do right by people and you work hard and you don't lie and you're as considerate as you can be in the situation, good things come to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm living proof of that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. you know, starting my business, it was kind of done because I, it was, I did it after I, um, left the people that I worked for when I had my first firm and it was under a mm. parent company. Okay. And I left there and I had to rename what I was doing. And one of my clients came with me and helped me fund my company. Mm. And I kept it for a while, but then I got another job. Okay. 
And it's it's funny, people keep saying to me, like, how come you keep switching? Like, why do you always go back to labels? And I'm like, I like the security of it. Mm -hmm. um, being a freelancer is not a very secure job. Yeah, it's a Business poster. could dry up at any minute. Mm -hmm. I mean, knock wood, it hasn't for me, and it's not stopped at all. That's great. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even since quarantine, like the minute everybody was stuck at home, all they wanted to do was press. And there was well, probably a lot more then. And now with, uh, I mean, COVID finally going away, events are occurring now. Artists are getting back on tour. Yeah. I mean, I, and that doesn't affect me as much. Um, but, you know, I'm, I help developing artists quite a bit. And mm -hmm. I like that because I like giving people a chance to like live their dream, you know? I do established artists also because that's a lot of fun when somebody actually wants <laughs> to hear what you're pitching. Yeah. Um, try to maintain a good balance and I try to keep my clients consistent that so that if somebody likes one of them, their chances are they'll like another one. Mm. So I do a lot of business with the same people for each band, <laughs> but it's good, you know? I mean, it, this is, you know, a lot of commercial rock is mm -hmm. what I do because that's kind of where my background is. I, you know, I worked Nickelback. I worked, yeah. uh, you know, at 11.7 Music. I worked Nothing More. I worked mm -hmm. uh, Papa Roach. I almost all, all the independent and small and mid-level labels with artists too. I mean, yeah, like I, I worked at a few labels and I made a lot of great friends. And so I figured, let me start this business. And <laughs> I left the label in December 2020, actually, mm. because I had like kind of put my business, like made it dormant for a while to go back to the label I used to be at. Uh, and I went back for like a year. So in December 2020, I left and I revived the company. And wow. Tommy Lee is amazing. Like, he's one of the greatest humans. Like, <laughs> uh, you can't help but smile when you're in the room with the guy. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And um, I worked Motley Crue when I was at their label. Oh, and he and I developed a relationship and he was very supportive and kind to me. And when I left, I was like, listen, if there's anything to do for you, I'm glad to do it. Mm -hmm. So I do anything that's not Motley Crue, I would do for him. Mm -hmm. um, and just because Motley Crue's done by the label now. Mm -hmm. um, and then Brandon came about because my friend Joe from Roadrunner <laughs> was putting out his record and <laughs> I got in with that, that group. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Brandon's lovely. He's brilliant. I love listening to his interviews. He's so well-spoken. <laughs> and I, I told him yesterday that if he had a cult, I would join it. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed. It was, uh, you so know, he was, he was having a very profound day. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, and then, like, people sometimes find me through friends. Uh, which is great. Like I have friends that are at labels that can't take on freelance clients and they, they contact me about them and, and I'm very fortunate that they do. So, you know, I mean, 
Nice. I gotta say, overall, I'm very lucky. I haven't had to really hustle for business. <laughs> yeah, that's so great to hear. You've been very entrepreneurial, very inquisitive about this business, exploring different paths, um, and especially the PR side of things. You've been featured also in a variety of different interviews as well, correct? And Thrive Global, Hypebot, Music Consultant. Tell us about those publications. What was it like to be featured on a whole ton of different publications? Well, it's always an honor. Like even now, like, you know, here and, and doing this with you, this is an honor for me. Like I, I love being in the background, but I also love helping young people who want to do what I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the person that introduced us, she was working with me for a minute and wow. we still talk like all the time <laughs> and I love to mentor young people. So like when I can, you know, participate in press, yeah, then it just helps me get the message out to people. Yeah, that's great wisdom, helping others, but you're also a leader, so you kind of play both hats. You're a team player and also a leader. So it's good to have both aspects because some are stronger in one, not the other, but you seem to be good at handling both. I mean, I think everybody has the capacity for it. It's just what situation you're thrown into. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've, you know, had a lot of different jobs. I have a lot of different friends from different places and you know, everywhere you go and everything you do, your situation's a little different. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn how to adapt. Yeah. Because the world isn't going to adapt to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something I've always been good at, adapting. Well, it's awesome and fascinating how you've been featured in so many publications. Now I want to talk about an article called A Thousand True Fans and the Theory Explained Behind It. It's featured on Hypebot. And tell yeah, us a little that. bit about the article. Basically, um, a creator, like an artist, musician, um, needs to acquire only a, a thousand fans to make a living. Do you think that's true? Or do you think there's pluses and minuses? I think it depends on your relationship with those fans. Okay. And like who demographically those fans are. Because, you know, you can't make a blanket statement like that. But yeah. if you have fans that have a lot of disposable income, then yeah, that'll work. But you also have to give them compelling experiences with that. You have to give them tons of content. Mm -hmm. You have to engage with them. You can't be like hands off like everybody wants to be. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have to cultivate your relationships. Think about okay. it like you're going to a new high school and you want to <laughs> have as many friends as possible. Uh huh. You know, not everybody's going to want the same thing from you. So you have to generate as much, you know, as much as you can for as many people as you can. And like the thousand fans thing, like it can work if you work it, but that's with everything. It's It can work if yeah. you work it. <laughs> You know, I mean, and it assumes that the person is going to spend a certain amount of money on you every year. And mm -hmm. you also have to think about timing of that. When is that money coming in? Is it all going to come in at once and then you have to budget it? Yeah. Is it going to come in in trickles and then you're going to have to figure out how to make it work? Mm -hmm. Like, I just think 
I think do the most you can. Make the most content you can. Be on social media personally the most you can.、Mm-hmm. Like, this is a job too. You know, yeah, it, it, it's it's deceptively quote unquote glamorous. I mean, it, it's really not, but、um, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about the industry. But it is at the end of the day, it's work. Yeah, <laughs> and if people don't take it seriously and don't put as much as they can into it, they're not going to get as much as they can out of it. And that's the musicians, the publicists, the managers, everybody. Yeah, totally agree. And since you're a marketing professional, I have to ask you this: in terms of fan engagement, this varies per genre to genre. You've、yeah. helped out a lot of clients in the PR space in metal, alternative rock,、um, even some hip hop. So tell us about. Like, what strategies or tactics have worked best, especially in this day and age with social media, to、uh, curate a relationship between the fans and、um, the artist in a, in all these genres? Well, that's not something I can do. That's something they have to do. So, what I do is my best advice is, you know, get a Twitch account number one, because <laughs> then you can monetize your engagement as much as possible. Yeah.、Um, but you know, do your social media yourself. Care about who you're talking to. Ask for your fans' advice and input. You know, even if you don't care about it, like、mm-hmm. ask fans what they think of a snippet of a song. <laughs> even though it's not going to influence what you do, let them feel like they're part of your process. Yeah. You know, this is something that like you can't market. You have to just do it. You know,、mm-hmm. like you have to get on there. You have to care about people and talk to people and make people want you to win. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, you can do stuff like get a Twitch channel, and then you can do you know, you can do all sorts of different stuff <laughs> on there.、Mm-hmm. And you have to generate a shit ton of content. Like、mm-hmm. it's gotta be constant. Yeah. So you know, I mean, making a relationship with your fans, you got to listen to them. You got to ask them questions, and you have to reveal more than just "here's my record." Like <laughs> I tell artists all the time, you can't just advertise on your、yeah. pages.、Mm-hmm. You have to tell stories that are personal. You have to ask questions to other people,、okay. and it has to be real. It can't be like you write it, you know, <laughs> like because I'm not you. Yeah. Nope. Those are very good tips, and this goes across the board for all different artists. Yeah. And you know, and if you're like in hip hop, for instance, ask you know, ask your fans like, what's the best verse you've written? You know, have you ever done a rap battle? And like, it's funny because I think on Discord, an artist I'm I'm associated with did rap battles on his Discord. Because they have voice、mm. channels there, <laughs> and you know, I mean, like, cultivate a community. Watch a movie with your fans. You、yeah. know, play games with your fans. <laughs> Craig,、um, Craig Mabbit from Escape the Fate is the best at that. Like,、mm. he plays games with his fans like <laughs> all day, every day. Like,、yeah. 
Yeah. It, it's amazing. And the fans love him and they love each other. So it's a yeah. great little community he has on Twitch. So, you know, I, I think it's important that the engagement be be real and 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 be meaningful. Yeah. Awesome. Really great advice from a PR professional and a digital marketing expert. Thank you so much, Jamie, for this wisdom. So anything that's exciting that you have upcoming in your personal or professional endeavors, especially for the win or just in PR and the music industry in general? Well, I have, I, I, I get bored often. So I took <laughs> clients in different arenas and I've been working with artists with NFTs lately. Oh, interesting. And that's what I do with Alan Robert. Like I'm not his band's publicist. I work with him uh, with his art. So he has wow. a uh, coloring book coming out called The Beauty of Horror, Volume Six, and he has an NFT collection out called Monster Chompers. <laughs> and this whole like technology is something I'm fascinated with. I mean, because I didn't have it growing up. <laughs> So um, I, I, I try to be in on all the new things and another NFT collection I'm working, they're associated with a social cause and I'm very into philanthropy and I, I actually do philanthropy with all of my clients. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, so I'm doing a little bit of that um, and I'm working on peertracks.com we haven't launched yet we're launching in i think about a month and it's 360 real audio it's a streaming service mm. and um they've been preaching about blockchain since 2016 and uh i i worked with him in its previous iteration and I'm really excited about what we'll bring into the table soon. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, Brandon Boyd's record's coming out on March 11th, Echoes and Cocoons. Um, has some exciting new bands uh, that I'm working with. Called, one is from Canada called Ascendia. And then I have Valerian Sun from Pennsylvania. And I have a lot of international artists too. I'm working with a band called Man With A Mission from Japan and a band called Voice of Bachaprot from Indonesia and a band called The Cruel Intentions from Norway. Wow, you got a lot going on uh, managing global artists, national, international in terms of publicity and then going into the NFT cryptocurrency space with your clients. So best of luck in those endeavors. And thank you. Any last parting words for people that want to break in this business? Any quotes, inspiration that you've drawn upon, etc.? It's, it's not glamorous. So get that out of your head first. <laughs> and then if you still Nobody want to said do that it. on my podcast. So I appreciate you saying that wisdom because some people always say the highs, but Sometimes I've learned from one person who's been a mentor. You can smell the roses, but sometimes they can be wilted. Yeah. And then you have to <laughs> smell the, the 
the cow poop that's fertilizing. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, every job has its ups and downs. It's a Definitely. job. Definitely, yes. Make no mistake about it. And to be good at it, you have to do a lot of hard work. But of course, be yeah. curious. Be curious. Read newsletters. Mm -hmm. You know, read the news and all like the sites like Hypebot and and uh, you know, there's a, a newsletter called Platform and Stream that's really amazing. Uh -huh. And I have a whole list of newsletters that I can send you so you can provide for your listeners if you want um awesome and you know be curious be hard working mm -hmm. go the extra mile and people will notice you because definitely not everyone does and and love what you do because it's not like you're gonna make a ton of money either in this business <laughs> yeah you gotta i mean seriously you have it. to do it because you really love it Mm -hmm. because you're not going to make money and you're not going to have glamour in your life like not always more <laughs> often than not you're just like you know now since we're all working from home like I'm home like in my sweatpants like this is not <laughs> glamorous you know <laughs> yeah but I love it and I wouldn't do anything else well yeah your t title for your business definitely embraces that for the win you that definitely sums your personality, your experience in this entertainment industry for the win. So well, congratulations on your nice. wins, all the achievements thus far, and best of luck with your upcoming endeavors in the PR space with your clients, the NFT space and cryptocurrency, and all the achievements that we will see more from Jamie. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And best of luck to you and your listeners. And <laughs> go for it if you want to get in, but just know, you know, there are serious limitations to this career. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Media Industry Guru podcast. Check out the Instagram at Media Industry Guru for all the details on the latest and coolest, I mean coolest, upcoming episodes that you will here. Email at mediaindustryguru.podcast at gmail.com for any other interviews that you would like to hear or if you would like to be on the air and give a little promo or talk about yourself or just even chat with me because you know I'm, I'm doing this. I'm invested in this. And tune in weekly 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays on the Anchor app, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and many more streaming platforms. Thanks again for all of the support and peace out and let's rock and roll. <laughs>